I know he loves that because we that's our favorite <laughs> thing together. I mean, we've, we've, I've been talking. I've been talking away quickly for years, and we've been through this debate over and over and over again. So, and we always come together anyway when we get in debate. We always still come together in love, and we don't ridicule each other or try to put each other down. And we, you know, if, even if he's not right there yet, we still come together on the truth. And good man. You know, he's a good man. He's shown me nothing but kindness. That's all he does. This guy, this guy really practices that. Good heart. man. He really and he really is a very good, you know, moderator. He's born for that position because he really, you know, he really, you know, he really is a good guy, and he knows. Yeah, and White Tiger too. She's been on there. She's been on there with the, the debates and all, you know, all the weird stuff that we talk about, you know, pertaining, you know, scriptures, and she's been really fair herself. You know, she's been really, you know, bringing things up and what about this and. And she start, she's just a sarcastic and makes fun, but in a loving way, you know. You know, that's what we do, you know. We're just the what's up people, you know. What's up, you know. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to deal with the three of you, you know. I guess we had to start our own board so nobody else can harass us. Oh, no, the harassment's all right because, you know. It, it's, I'm joking. It's just, I'm joking. I know. It's all in good fun. Yeah, I know you're joking. I just say we can, but. I guess, you know, I guess we should start out with, let me read some scripture to, to put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and longsuffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do he. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And uh, the reason why I'm picking that is because recently I have had, you know, these, not just with WOP, but I've also had some people that I know, you know, that, you know, on, you know, touchy stops, uh, Topics such as that, for instance, and other things on justifi- you know, justification by faith alone. I've had other, you know, discussions like that, you know. But just to say that this is what we always should keep in mind, you know, at all times. Never belittling none of them or calling them out and putting them down or how they do things. That's, that's really assassinating someone's character, and that is not becoming of a Christian at all. And even though we get sarcastic and we joke around, you know, which is okay, you know, it, there's nothing wrong with having fun with them, as long as we do it all in love, and, you know, have fun with each other, that people don't take it, you know, that are weak in that area seriously, and never having a mean spirit, and that's what we really need to focus on, you know, and go ahead, yeah, you know, like I said. You know, I, you know, I take some way, way out of context, but, you know, Jesus, when he was, uh, when he was confronting the Pharisees, I don't have my Bible open, but... He said, you know, he told them that the whores and the thieves and the uh, whoremongers will get into heaven before you. And really what kind of what he was saying was he was addressing their wickedness and how mean they were. They're just flat mean. They're vipers. Yeah. yeah and it's, and uh, uh, that was one of the things that he meant when he said that. I mean, he meant a lot of things. He said that, that to even the Pharisees, who were supposed to be the chosen, right? Right, they were just meaner, just mean. They were mean, 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 mean. Yeah, they like to be set out in the streets and let everybody see them praying and their knowledge of Scripture. And uh, the, as Jesus said, you search the Scriptures thinking that there's life in them, but there's life in me. I am the right. Scriptures. He said he is the Scripture. He is the Word. Found, 
What they had found out over generations and generations, these Pharisees, is they could keep the law by getting real technical like we do in our American courts, but they could also just live like just live like scoundrels, you know, because of all these loopholes that they'd created. And Jesus came along and said, Look, you know, I mean, if you're mad at somebody, you've already killed him if you're in your heart. If you lust after some woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart. He took that he took their hope of obeying the law and made it absolutely impossible for them to follow without yeah, yeah. sleeping in him. Totally. And totally and uh, Lord, let the Holy Spirit continue this conversation in Jesus' name, Amen. Yeah, um, yeah, well, we should have done that. We should have done that and prayed first. first. <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, no, keep going. Yeah, we should have. Like I said, we should have prayed first. That's what's what's wrong with us. Hey, anyway, um, I'm being grateful to myself. <laughs> no. All right. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. That that because you thought maybe I bent that the wrong way. No, no, no. I said that because I wanted to respect you that I forgot to lead us into prayer, which, you know, I'm not saying that you did. I just, that was probably the best thing. Anyway, I just said a real quick prayer so the Holy Spirit will be the center of our conversation, even if we get sarcastic. (laughs) Well, me me too, same as what Rick said, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Anyway, so, you know, it comes to the point where the, the argument was over how I presented Scripture to prove a point. And it wasn't how I proved the point. Basically, I learned this style from Puritans, from reading so many, you know, I read commentary all the time when I study the scripture. I, want, I read actually five different commentaries in a row. Like, what does this mean? What does he mean think about this? What does he think about this? Just to get a whole broad perspective of what I was talking about. Like, in that particular topic that we don't need to go into now, we'll save that for a, a better time where we can have both sides presented. You know what I mean? Even yeah, but if back I have to up do... a minute. What do you mean by the Puritans? I mean, you got to explain yourself about the Puritans. Cause, I mean, the Puritans, those were those dudes on the Mayflower, as far as I know. Okay, okay. Let's go, let's go back. They burnt the witches in Salem, it's, right? It's, it's, what, Danvers, outside of Salem. Yeah, not not though they were not really Puritans. They just they were religious people that called themselves Puritans. No, the Puritans of the oh. 1600s, the Reformers. I'll use Reformers instead. And get a better idea. The reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, uh, all the way down the Puritans of John Owen, Richard Baxter, Thomas Hooker, Thomas More, uh, John Bunyan, who is my ultimate favorite because he was not the school guy. He was one of us on the street, you know, type. He was a tinker, but he knew, you know, and he spent time in prison because they were, you know, when tell him to keep, they told him to keep his mouth shut if he don't do it. The their church's organization's way, all the way down to, let's see, keep going down to, I I, I probably skip over some people, but I want to go to Jonathan Edwards, I want to go to David Brainerd, who wrote his own diaries, and I want to go to, you know, all the way down to Charles uh, Spurgeon, who, these are all guys that would be considered, you know, Charles Spurgeon to me is the last of the the Puritans, in, in, you know, in a a modern sense, because he was in the, you know, just before the turn of the 20th century. So these are all the Puritans. These are the guys who are not in a denomination. These are all guys from different generations, or maybe part of the same generation, that all studied the Bible fervently, not being part of a clique, because the Puritans wasn't really a clique. They were a group of men that, that like, you know, some people even call them mystics. 
because they were such into studying the scriptures and they were so into being satisfied in Christ and all that he is in their lives. That's what a Puritan is. Is the first line of the Westminster Catechism of Faith is what is the chief and final end of man is the chief and final end of man is to glorify God and to fully enjoy him forever. And that's the first when of the Westminster Catechism, you're not talking about Catholic catechism. No, catechism is just is not a Roman Catholic theme. It was never a Roman Catholic theme. It's uh, even though someone begged to differ and say that it is, but no, it didn't. They had their own catechisms after Luther. Luther started. There was the Augsburg, you know, Augsburg Confession. It's a, just a confession. It's a confession of questions and answers like that. What is the chief and fi- you know final end of man? The chief and final end of man is to glorify God and to fully enjoy them forever. And these were just that everybody had to know, you know, in the church, that, that these are the, the, the doctrines that we know together. It's all from the Apostles' Creed. You know what I mean? The, the, the original Apostle Creed. Not the Nicene Creed, which was later on, the original Apostles' Creed. You know? Talking pre three hundred, you're talking right around uh, hundred. Yeah, I, I believe in God the Father. Yeah, I believe in God the Father, Creator of heaven and Creator of earth, and Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son of God. I believe, and I believe, like Third Day, you like that band? <laughs> they do the whole. That's Never. the whole. Uh, yeah, Third Day. If you ever look them up, you like them. They're really good. Usually, and, I just like the old hymns when it comes to Christian music. That's um, terrible. Uh, I like the contemporary as long as it glorifies the Lord and makes sure that he's the center in their music for all to hear. And I'm not like funny him. about that. You know, I got my guitar. I'm into hardcore rock and stuff. But uh, when it comes to gospel music, I just like the old hymns. Because a lot of this contemporary stuff, is just, it's all like these Jesus is my boyfriend and I love him lyrics. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus is my boyfriend lyrics? I'm not talking about those. Third day does they do worship songs like uh like uh, uh please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you you know, to Jesus. Please take from me my life when I don't find the strength. You know. God, find right it away to you, Jesus. You know, and it's all worship. It's worship songs that I sing, and we make sure that we focus on praise and worship, even if it is with a rock background. You know, I have no problem with that as long as it glorifies the Lord plainly and that people could sing their hearts out to the Lord in worship. Then it, then it's worth listening to. Like the hymn. I was in a band called Baron Cross back in the 80s, and they were a hardcore hey. metal yeah. Christian band. You know, Iron Maiden copy. Yeah, Iron Maiden copy. Yeah. They're like they all they sound like Iron Maiden. They had a video on MTV. I know them. Yeah, give your yeah. life to Jesus, He'll forgive your sins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There was like a lot of bands. I, I know all the I know all the Christian metal bands from back in the day. You know? well, I think Jesus would like that hardcore metal better than the Jesus is my boyfriend stuff. Just that's his uh, personal opinion. You know, we don't like talking about opinions with Rick here, but that's my personal opinion. <laughs> 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 All right, now. We don't like talking about opinions and imagination. We don't want to bring imagination, imagination in here. Not when it comes to Scripture. Remember that. It's only when it comes to Scripture that we don't apply our opinion to Scripture because it speaks for itself. That's where I, I, I am talking about. When I'm talking about imagination, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, God gave us an imagination, and he gave us an opinion. But 
when it comes to scripture, we stand and we go, okay. And when his word says, thou shalt not create a graven image, you know, okay, in the but, second commandment. Okay, but but we, if, we're, if we're at a punk rock concert in 1977, right, and we're waiting in the in the crowd, right? Okay. And, right? And mm-hmm. I said, and I said to you, I said, verily, I say unto you, Rick, I go, some of these punks standing here will not die of an overdose until they see the sex pistols take the stage in oh, all their glory. No. <laughs> oh, that's you awful. would just, you would just, you would just assume that the punks are going to be live standing next to us in the crowd until the sex pistols come out, wouldn't you? I mean, that's uh, a, it take a lot of imagination to figure that one out. That's, uh, I don't think it takes time. I mean, I'll just look at you like you were nuts. You wouldn't go back and study all the things that I had said before, and you know, and try to figure out what I meant. You would just pretty much assume that these punks would be standing around us, and they wouldn't be dead until the sex pistols came out. Well, that's only in that area. But I mean, when that it comes doesn't to... take a lot of imagination. But when it comes to scripture, we really don't have no. We don't really need any imagination. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean. When I came up with this 2,000-year-old apostle theory, which actually wasn't my theory. That's my, my mentor back in the 80s, uh, my snakebite Pentecostal mentor, Louis. He, was, he had this huge study on this. But anyway, uh, that's, that's his theory. I don't want to steal it from him. Sorry, Louis, if you're still alive, <laughs> you're probably dead. But if you're still alive, I'm sorry to steal your theory. No, I don't. He pretty much says that they're just going to be waiting here until he comes back. That was pretty much kind of what, there was a lot of imagination to it. <laughs> but the yeah, problem well. you get into is, well, I'm only going to live probably 80 years, probably six, maybe 50 if I don't quit smoking, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm jealous because I want to live 2,000 years. Nobody lives 2,000 God said that man's life is three score and ten years if it be for good health. But uh, so we can get better tell that to my 104-year-old grandpa because he might drop dead if you say that, so don't tell him that. And, uh, you know, but, but you know, that's kind of, that's, that's where I come from on that thing because it takes a lot more imagination to disagree with that than it does to just say, oh, okay. Well, I don't know. When it comes to Scripture... There's no need for having a theory or a base because actually Scripture is pretty clear in what it says. Except yeah, see, for that, that's not a theory. What I'm saying, it's just you oh. just listening to Jesus and saying, okay. Sounds well, good. it's like, yeah, but it's not like that's not. Yeah, he also tells us to, to watch, you know. And Scripture is for uh, for reproof, for correction, and instruction in righteousness, right? Oh yeah. So we oh, get, yeah. we gotta know what we gotta know what we mean and what he means. And we yep. got to understand what the scripture says. We got to know that if it's taken out of context or not, and we got to know that, especially when we teach, right? Well, whip out your whip out your Bible there, and because I, I don't need to whip out my Bible around that passage. I mean, I know that he just said it. He didn't have, wasn't in any particular context. He just oh, sure said it was. He said he there goes, was a lot of things there will be some said stand- that weren't. He said there will be some standing here that will see. The kingdom, me and the kingdom coming no, in no, glory. No, no. no, say it again. That's hmm? not what he said. No, that's not what he said. Say it again. There will be some standing here that will not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God coming in glory. Okay. Which means now, they're going to be here waiting until he comes back. They're going to taste no, death because of the transformation. Not. That meant, they're not going to die. Would, 
when he resurrected, when he resurrected, tasted right? death. Now, when he, he resurrected, where does salmon toast? That means death. Now, remember when he, just like I said in the rebuttal, when he died, right, and rose again, he was talking to his audience. Some will see when he resurrected. Everybody saw him, didn't they? Yep. And they, you know, they will not taste death. There's another example of that scripture in the context. Back up. Are you saying that there's only, like, he was only talking about a context of a... He was already dead when he said that. I'm not mistaken. I'm probably mistaken. No, he was alive. He was was already... He had already turned when he said that. Yeah, he didn't... He was talking... He was already talking before he went to the cross. This was before he went to the cross? Sure it was. Anyway, give me... I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Yeah. So look at you know the rebuttal I did a WOP to you. You got to remember that his kingdom, his kingdom. When he said repent for the kingdom is near, and John the Baptist said that, you know, um, you know that's the first words out of Christ's mouth according to some of you know some of the gospels that we see. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. He when he talked about the kingdom, you got to remember the kingdom was coming, and it was he was already he was starting to do it. He chose the apostles. And they were going to usher in the kingdom. Then he went to his death. And he rose again. So you're not, here, he wasn't talking about the second coming when he said that. No, because the kingdom is now. It's already going on. He's coming in all of his glory. Right, you know, he's coming in all his glory. He's coming a second time. He definitely is. Because there's a church in heaven right now, simultaneously with the church on earth. And it's been there. Ever since right. the beginning, before the right. foundations of the world, he the Hebrews is really I love that book, but that book explained to me. Now I'll say it to me right now Isn't that at one this of the moment. Books Martin Luther wanted to kick out of the canon, though. No, he didn't want to kick out the Hebrews. He loved the Hebrews. But I don't, James, I don't know, I, he, wanted, he wanted to kick James and Revelation out. Uh, I don't know about that. I think he probably wanted to do that because people were getting carried away with it like they do today. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the truth. I don't, you know that I was do. the same way. I was the same way until I actually somebody slapped me in the face one time. You know, oh. basically, almost literally, and I'm, just, I'm joking about that. And asked me, he says, "Do you know every single position of eschatology, and do you know it well?" And I said, "No, I only know. Oh. I only knew. I was, you know, I was a, a, a leaky dispensationalist before, as quoting John MacArthur." I was exactly like that, and uh, I said, no, uh, no, and I had, like, this systematic, you know, penny, I thought, well, this is it, you know, left behind, and, and uh, you know, I'm going to be raptured one day, and so blah, 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 and, you know, or whatever, or, or if I'm going to be raptured before, after, I didn't know, but I still was a premillennialist to, to, for the most part. Well, we, we don't want to first... tackle the rapture on this episode, though. So no, 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 we, we don't need to. We... that one. We don't want to do that either because some people are not ready to hear, you know, the truth yet about it. But, you know, and I don't – if I express this, they'll get, you know, ooh, you know, they'll get in the uproar. See, you already and, said too much. I know. <laughs> but I have to. But anyway, so what he said is I want you to investigate and I want you to know well, uh, you know, every single position – you know, the four main positions, but every single position, and why don't you know them well, you know? And then we'll talk. And, oh, man, he made me really, oh, I was, I was very pissed off. That's a very humbling <laughs> thing to say to somebody. 
Well, and it stopped me because, you know, like I said, you said earlier, like, you know, Richard, you know, I like to be right. And I was very, very wrong in this instance because I didn't know every single side of this debate or, or, or of the debate. So what I did, and this was five years ago. Five, no, 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 this was, uh, yeah, this was five years ago. Um, I you went out and I went, I found, this is how I found World of Prophecy, too, you know? So just going down and doing what this guy said. Actually, I wanted to prove him wrong is what really happened. And, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, and actually, uh, you know, actually, when I saw all the different sides, the 15 different, es- es- you know, eschatological positions, I freaked out. I went, what is this? You know, until I came to what the conclusion I came to today, where I stand, which, you know, you know, where, you know, where I stand, I now just call myself a millenarian like Charles Spurgeon, you know, and to understand that, you just read his book on the second coming and some of his sermons, then you, you get a perspective of where I'm coming from, you know, and Jonathan Edwards, you know, which I really became really fond of, man, I really became fond of those guys. They just, they just. I, I, they actually, they knock me in the head with this truth. So, you know, that it humbles me to the point like, well, man, I really don't know anything, do I? And these guys, for some of I you believe- listening, for Some of you listening that are trying to read into Richard and trying to preempt him, he's not a preterist. So just put that thought out of your mind, and we'll save this all for another episode. But I just wanted to stick that in there. Anyway, so all in all, where we were at is that all of this discussion you know, it comes down to this, is that no matter what positions that we held, if you believe this way or you see this way right now, you know, it's, all, it's still all theoretical. You, you search for the concrete and you search for the foundation, not things that are built on sand. Because you, you scrutinize them to the point, a, a, a particular theology, until you see either it's going to be sand or it's going to be concrete. It's going to be a sure foundation. And that's what the scripture tells us to be, you know, to have. Like when Jesus said about that, like what we just talked about, about, you know, your 2,000 man theory. Is it true that Jesus said that? You know, did, did he mean that? And that's why we, we go into the scripture, we embrace them, and we hold on to them because Jesus is the word. So what did Jesus really mean by this? And he, he never shows said us, that. He never said that. You just kind of have to, you know, figure it out. I mean, he said a yeah. lot of things like, when he said, "When he said, wherever the corpse is, there the eagles will gather." You don't know what that means. Except where a corpse lair, eagles will gather. <laughs> wherever, the cor- wherever the corpse is, there the eagles will gather. You, you don't know what that means. You just have to figure. Well, you just take it as his word. Take it, take him at his word at that point. You know. Uh, and you can because he all in scripture is a cross reference. So whatever he's saying, he's always keeping it in the scripture, the word. He is the word. And the that whole is true. Scripture, you could probably study that enough to where you could almost figure out what he meant. You'll, no, you'll find it because that's why we cross-reference uh, Scripture. You take that one verse. And, you know, you can do this on Blue Letter Bible. Very simple. You take oh, that. You, you go on the Blue Letter Bible, which is uh, WOP's favorite, you know, and you know, it's one of my Mine favorites. Mine too. I, I like it. Yeah, I, I like love it. it. And I also like the Amplified Bible and BibleGateway.com because I like the Amplified Bible. I love it. I, I love that I can talk to somebody and let them see the scripture. And even if some want to say, oh, you put this in here, this, uh, like, for, for example, you know, 
I put saints with son of God because I know that's what it means. That's what I've been searching. And when I present, get to present the proof one of these days on WP without, without scrutiny of prejudice, somebody can look at it and go, huh. Well, I never thought about and, that you know, before. I just have to say, I just have to say, my views will change as I as I get older and stuff. But right exactly. now, I just tell everybody, I am a I'm a King James man, 1611, straight from heaven. You better get your these and thou straight, because when you go to heaven, we all know that Jesus spoke in Old English. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like I said, and that's why that's why people really didn't understand him as apostles. You know, they found that he had a lot of hard things because they didn't speak English. Yeah, and then, like I said, that's why I use mini Bibles. <laughs> I'm joking, so, guys. I'm I know, joking. I know, I know. Uh, that's why they, we use mini Bibles anyway, though. Like, I use not just King James. I like I the Geneva. Like King James. I like them. My favorite, which I cannot find, and it's so expensive they put it out of print, is the Master's Study Bible, which was an NASB and that's a New American Standard that, Bible. The Harper's Study Bible, is it the Harper version of the Harper's? Because that's NASB. Yeah, and no, it's not that. It's a different one they don't make. I don't think they've made it in quite a while. But And I like the new study ESV Bible right now. I think that's a really great study Bible. I was, I was like, wow, this is pretty good. But it doesn't matter what Bible you use. I say get a bunch of them and compare them all. I open up this, you know, I'll open up the NIV, which is not my favorite. I'll open up the Living, you know, the Living Bible, which is a paraphrase of the King James. King James. I have the New King James version, which I don't like as much, but I still use it. I use them all to see, I, to see you know, when I look at the verse, I want to see every verse in every scripture. And then I wanted to use my lexicon or my Greek and say, okay, how are they meaning in Greek? And my favorite book that I use right now is my Aramaic, when I study it personally. But I use the That's Amplified. I like to stay up till 2 in the morning and listen and watch, uh, and watch um, um, Pastor, what's her name? Pastor, um, she looks like my wife. Uh, Pastor, you know what I'm talking about? Um, why can't I say your name, Pastor? Oh, Tom Bionic would know her name. She's he's probably jumping up and down saying her name right now. You know what I'm talking about? Southern California Greek scholar does a has a TV show too. Oh, that's that's uh, uh, um, Scott. Pastor uh Gene Scott. Scott. Yeah, it's Gene Scott's wife. Was that his wife? Gene Scott's wife. Yeah, it is, isn't it? it it's either his wife or it's his daughter. I've seen her a couple times. She's all right. She's all right. I mean, she really breaks down the Greek and the Hebrew, and man, she tears it apart. It's awesome. Yeah, her, her husband used to do that too, or her father. Either way, whatever. I can't. I, I don't really know too much about him. That's a favorite, old favorite of Tom Bionic's, Gene Scott, if unless I'm mistaken. He's the guy that smokes the cigars and wears the funny hats and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen him, and I. I really have nothing to say. He was really into the scripture. Like I said, I don't know where his particular stance was on, but it didn't matter to me. I mean, he was into he was into the Lord, and that's all that matters. Tom Bionic's affinity to him, that was who he was listening to and had a great effect on him when he was a new Christian. He doesn't, you know, go along with him so much now. No, no, that's okay that, if he that did. Was one of his, it, that was good. one of the people that he was, that kind of had an effect on him when he first, when he first was a new Christian. And uh, had a mark on his life, but I, I don't. I don't think he follows all those views now. I'm probably not. Well, it, it's it's okay. Here's the here's the thing. Paul said this real strictly to me one time about people and you know in general. And I I'm not at my desk at the moment. I'm outside because it's cooler because it's really hot right now, and it's just an oven in my house. But yeah, he, Rick the Surfer. Said, he's a surfer. He lives in Southern California. He lives in San Diego. He's Rick the Surfer. It's hot down there. 
But anyway, um, Paul I'm said, if the, if the gospel is being preached and Jesus is being glorified and being the center, no matter what the differences are, you know, the gospel is being preached. Do not prevent them. That means do not ridicule anybody. If if somebody wants to, like Dr. Future and Tom Bayer are really into the Sons of God theory, you know, and they're going through it, and they're going on the radio and they're talking about it, you know, as long as they're preaching the gospel, and, you know, and, and as long as all of us, me, of course, me included, if we get it wrong from time to time, we'll find the discovery out and we'll present it like, hey, look, I was wrong on this issue over here. And if we can just be honest constantly and do that, you know, like I said, if I am wrong, I'll be glad to apologize. I'll be, you know, I pray that I am the first one, even though, of course, uh, with a little bit of ego, it will be hard, but I will do it, you know, because. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's just flat. I, knew I have, to, hard I to, have say to be you honest. That's a problem saying he's wrong, but. <laughs> Yeah, I have a I have a problem with it, but I I know you will. I if am. you twist his arm and put a hot poker to his cheek, he will. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you don't have to go that far. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, and I like you know, Doctor Future and Tom Bionic when they talk about stuff like that. They're, they, oh, no. you know, Doctor Future. One of his famous sayings is he likes to remain joyfully teachable, but he never gets too dogmatic yeah. about anything except for core doctrine. That's Christ and Him crucified. And, and that's like, like it. That's it. I'm not trying to prevent anybody from going into that or even talking about. It. That's not my whole intention. My intention is together that we, in unity, come together on these issues. And in love and in spread, not feeling, oh, you're an idiot because you believe that, or you just do it now because this is your, your, your version or your blah, blah, blah commentary, which is very terrible for somebody to do. That is not yeah, nice. And then that you is, get the, you other, know, the other thing where I wouldn't invite you into my house or, or, uh, or, 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 or you know, you're preaching a false gospel. How do you, you know, call somebody, that love? Somebody is talking about antediluvian theories. They're not preaching another gospel. That's another bit of speculation about something that has something to do with Jesus, because we know the, all the whole the, Jesus handprints yeah. through the whole Bible. But and then not, you assassinate somebody's not character. Preaching, it's not, it's, yeah, it, you can't assault their character for that because number one, none of us really knows for sure anyway. And that's why we need scripture. Because and that is. Scripture, and that scripture is. is concrete, and once we can keep Scripture in its context, and that we can there really make it hidden. Um, no, I believe that all things, I, I know all things are in Scripture. That's why it's provided. That's why yes, it's 66 books. Things are it is, no, it, and it, it is, you know, yeah, in the book of Daniel, like I said, some things that people think are hidden, but when you cross-reference, they're not really. But... And then the other thing is the God will reveal himself through his scripture. He does not step outside of it ever. He does not. He holds his word even higher than himself. If you go up and look up that scripture, look up that quote. The book of Daniel was sealed. I mean, there was, there was, there, there, there was, there was countless generations that just wouldn't be able to figure it out until maybe now if we're that generation. I, I, the book of I Daniel know. has been, was sealed. The meaning of it has been sealed for all these years. It says that. I think it was sealed, and I, I understand that. Okay, I'll just let, okay, here we go. This is now opinion on that because it is because of the fact it is a prophecy that may have not, you know, come to pass as yet, but, or it has. 
I believe that already that Daniel was talking, it all points to Christ anyway, and I believe that the seal was hidden is because when Christ was on earth, he was hidden from the public view. He was made lower than the angels, and he was made, what did Isaiah said, not to be desired. That anybody would look at him like, no, that, you know, so he was hidden. And look at the way yeah. he was treated. So there's, I, there's an it's expression awesome. right there that, you know, with my own words, with, you know, even with scripture, we can look that up, you know, and I'm not quoting the scripture verse or chapter because, like I said, I'm not on my, my desk yet. I have it at my fingertips and I still, you know, with my brain, learning how to say what scripture right, you know. I'm getting oh, that. But, you know, and, and yes, there are things that are, you know, the Holy Spirit hasn't revealed yet, but I know it's in his word, and that's where there's nothing else that we, we have it there. That's why we have his word. That's why the word is there from the beginning, and that's why it's, gonna, it's the ending, you know. It, he's the Alpha so, and the Omega. So you would say that there's hidden things that God would reveal to somebody or anybody who searches them out earnestly enough. Seek and ye shall find. I agree. I totally believe you that. Seek and ye shall find. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's not just things or objects or things while, you know, dinner on earth. This dinner is the things that we're seeking for. That yeah. we're going to have for eternity. You know? And be in that precious presence of Christ. That when we're standing before him, and singing him in all his glory, and seeing him as he is. That's going to be the best thing, that all these things are added unto us. Everything, everything will be revealed. And that when we look back down in the sea of glass of that exactly, exactly where it's at, and we see hell, we're going to look, you know, even glorify him even more by growing. By growing more, going, oh, the love that we have for him. Oh, I can't, I mean, if we can grab, I'm trying to grasp that right now. You know, hey. I want that so bad right now. You know, I want that, you know, the glory that he's, he says he's going to give it. He's gave it, gave, given it to us now. Of course, we don't, with the sin that still dwells in our bodies, it's hard to, you know, <laughs> measure up, you know. Yeah, to fall short of that. it's a constant battle. Oh, man. It's like, like the John, the- John Piper, one of my favorite pastors of all time, oh, and, and besides John MacArthur, he's just like I said, go into mortal combat with your flesh, just to continue to, you know, you know, to strive for that satisfaction in Christ alone, you know, and that just like, it sure takes that burden off our back, you know, uh, that we continue to keep piling up on our back, you know what I mean? Now, does your hand defend Jesus? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> you know I what you're supposed to do, don't you? Cut it, it off does. and throw it away. Yeah. It How is better for that one part of the Jesus? body. Yeah, but you know, like I said, Jesus didn't mean that literally, did he? I don't think he wants us to be one-handed. I hope not, because I've yeah. got the guts to cut off my hand, and I'm just not man enough. Yeah, and, and we cross-reference that. It's just like gouge your eye out and throw it away, and we'll, like I said, we'll be a bunch of one-eyed guys and no armed, you know, no-hand dudes. You know, and, and I don't think that's... beams coming out of the other eye. And yeah, pull the, I don't think pull the slivers out of our brethren's eye. You know, there was a time in in uh, the Christian church, probably the Roman Catholic, that the men used to chastise themselves. Even Martin Luther was one of those persons. You know, who whipped themselves. I mean, I think some yeah. even gouged out their eyes, and I know some during the Inquisition, even some had their hands cut off. You know, yeah. so 
I don't because I don't like I said Jesus. If we cross reference that, you'd know that's not you know that's how serious you got to get that sin out of your life. That is very much is get it out because you know you know cut that off. Now, is it truly better to go into hell with only one hand and missing the other one? I mean, better to go to heaven with only one hand than it is to go to hell with both? Of course. And, you know, like I said, we're going to be complete in heaven, so, you know, we're going to shed this this body anyway. So you get your hand back anyway. So so sharpen your axe and come on up here, because I'm going to cut my own hand off. i got to rely on you. <laughs> you know, yeah, we're supposed to be supporting each other. Yeah, exactly. And that's what it comes down to. We are supposed to lift one another up with kindness and gladness. If somebody has it wrong, we don't go, "Hey, you know, you're gonna, you know, do this, and you're doing this." And, and like being a legalist, being just a, a person. Like I wouldn't oh, I'm invite better. you into you're, my house, and I'd slam the door on you because you're preaching another gospel. Yeah, or anything that you you take it. And then you out publicly take it out and scrutinize somebody very publicly and accuse them. That's what them. I like. I like being whipped in public. That's what yeah. I like about. That's what yeah. I like about a lot of the um, modern church is that they're not afraid to just take you out and beat you in public. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's a problem that I have when I walk into a lot of churches. Yeah. I don't know. I, thought, I I see it like Jesus took the person privately to. You know, you know, any way you rebuke the Pharisees, that was a different story. But to one another, when it says to cause love one another, you don't call somebody out for gossip in the church unless he wants to confess, his, you know, and give a testimony of how God got him into it and how God's getting him out. That's different. But you don't my, call my, somebody out and say, Johnny over here, he has a problem with picking his nose, and that's a sin against God, you know? It, it, in the public eye, well, you don't want nobody to know that you're a nose picker. <laughs> my, my, my new found, my new, one of my no. new found favorites, Pastor Mark Breton. I'd like to give a shot, shout out to Pastor Mark Breton. Hey. J- Johnny's tying his underwear up in one corner in your honor right now, Pastor Mark and uh, Counselor Mark. And uh, what he says is that what he does, if he's got something he needs to confess, what he does is he finds a group of of men that he trusts. And yeah. then he talks to him in private. He knows they're not going to beat him up with a stick. He knows they're not yeah. going to go tell everybody else. And that's yeah. how he does it. And that seems like really good advice. That's great advice. I mean, like I said, even testimony. Uh, do you really want to talk about your sins to everybody? I mean, really. And, like, say that, you know, I was once a former heroin addict and I was a tweaker. And, and you know, I can have, you could probably do that. Not, if, you, if you get what my understanding is that you really don't need to go as far, or maybe if the Lord prompts you to kind of say what your past is a little bit, but not to glorify it, you know? People understand... Oh, you end up bragging about it after a while. You know, like, Yeah, and, you know, like I said, if I'm a sinner, you know, of course, and, and we're all guilty of it, you know, we want to talk about, you know, and uh, about our sin, but it's just sin in general. And, you know, and a testimony is, really, is how God got you out of sin, and how he... He cleansed you. He's transformed your life, and he's made you a son. You're an heir, you know? You are an heir with him. And that's a huge deal. And I think a lot of us are, like me especially, you know, there's something you just made me aware of. I, I think I'm proud of some of my old sins. 
I'd love to sit here and brag to you that I could sniff you right oh. on the table, you weenie. You ain't no yeah. man. Yeah, we could. Yeah. <laughs> so what, we is could what is that? What, what well, is we, that? I don't know. I mean, I think that's just, yeah, I think that's just, like I said, God, you know, like I said, God gives enough grace to each of us. And some of us, you know, we're all growing in grace, but we grow in different ways. We're not I'm all just the talking about being, being proud of past sins, not current one. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, some of us hold about. on to some of these things, and, and uh, like I said, that's where still image comes in, as well as imagination. It's still image. And we, you know, yeah, we hold on. Like, you know, sometimes, we're all like that. We're like, oh, man, remember, man, I, I remember the, the tour of Europe when I was in secular bands, you know, and the things I did, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's like, wow, why am I thinking of that? That was, you know, actually, my my, you know, my best time out there was my worst time being a Christian, you know? So, yeah. you know, if, if, yeah, well, if that you know, makes sense. I, it, did, it did make sense. And, and I'm, I'm kind of thinking is that, you know, I've got this error of thinking, and I know it's wrong, but I've got this thought is that you really don't really understand how much you need Jesus until you've been really yeah. wicked. And I know that's I agree an error that. in thought. Yeah, but I think that's an error in thought because there's people that have been good all their lives, like Pastor Mark. He's been a good man all his life. He came to the Lord when he was nine years old. He said he, the Lord saved him, Mark Breton. He said the Lord saved him from a horrible life of sin at the age of nine. Hmm. There's people like Mark, and and I think I'm at a loss against somebody like Mark for having been out in the world and been all wicked and stuff. But at the same time, I wonder if maybe I don't understand who Jesus is more because i got more to get forgiven from. Now, I don't know. I know that's an error in thinking. Well, what do you think about that? Or I think it might be an error in thinking. Well, who doesn't err in thinking? The fact who that, who I, think that I understand, I've got more to be thankful for because I've been forgiven more stuff. You know, and yeah, and it's it's probably so. You know, um, you know, well, and like I, like I keep like I keep telling you that you're growing in grace the way God wants you to grow in grace, and you know He is working on you. You are a work in progress. You know. Oh, you we got that all, right. Say that one again. Say that again. You, you are a work in progress, and he will oh, finish the work so in you. Thank you. You know, and he will finish the work. He promised that he will, he's the worker of your faith. In fact, some people have a hard time with this, what I'm about to say. It is his faith he put in you so you could have faith. That is Christ's faith in you. And that's how well, you are justified by faith. All, well, it says in the Bible, the all men are given a measure of faith. So you don't that's, even have it, it on your own. Yeah, and there it is. So, you is have, that what is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you. It's a faith. It's Christ's faith that is given to you. That's the gift, right? You got. We get. Everybody thinks it's there. You know, Christ gave you that faith so you could have faith. Let me, me say something it, to. Let me say something. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Richard. I'm always interrupting you. Let me say something. Uh, you know uh, about that to the listeners who are listening now. You don't know Jesus. You're. You're out in the world, you know, you don't, you're not religious or anything. You know, God's given you a measure of faith already. He's put that in you. You you don't think you've got it, but you do, because the Bible says that every man is given a measure of faith, and that faith is within you. And if you just call on it, you can be a follower of Jesus. You can be a Christian. And all you need to do is just believe in Jesus, 
that God sent him. He was his only begotten son. And then he died for your sins. You might not feel like a bad guy. Well, I never did anything wrong or stole from him. I never beat anybody up. But you're not perfect. You're not good enough to get into heaven. You will have no hope without Jesus. And you call on if you call on that just major, small major faith that God gave you at birth, you'll find out that you have it and it's in there with you. Say say something, Rick. Um exactly, I'm in full agreement to the wonder, the wandering star, um, that is out there. Jesus Christ, he's very real. And if you're at that moment where you, you know, you, you, you are like us, like, you know, you're, we're all like this. We've all been like this, and we've found, you know, seek and you shall find, you will find this. Jesus came, and he spoke you into existence, whether you believe it or not. He, he did. And that's the one thing we got to accept is to know that, like I said, we could use John 3, you know, uh, 3.16 very simply. It is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever trusts, relies, believes, believes. That's what that means. Seriously believes in him. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's, you know, you see that everywhere, all over the place displayed. You see it in, you know, it is a real fact that you have Christ. You really do have him. You don't have, you know, you're feeling condemned or you're feeling lost and you're feeling guilty. You do feel guilty. We all do. And God wants to remove that guilt from you by entering into your heart and taking up his residencies and setting up his throne in your heart so you could actually really have life. Because right now, you know, as in 317, it says, he who believes in in the Son is not condemned. But he who believes not in the Son is condemned already. That means already from birth. You are going, you know, you're already there. You're not living. Jesus said, you know, let the dead bury the, their dead. They're dead. You're dead man walking. But right now you have every opportunity is to call out to him. Ask him. He's there and he's listening. It might not be the way you're looking for you know, how he's going to approach you. But, man, he will do it. And once he does, he'll open your eyes, just like he did to Paul, who was the greatest yeah, religious Jesus, man. Jesus said, behold, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. He's knocking on your door right now. And he also said that he that comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out. Out. I means once you believe in Jesus, you say that simple prayer, Jesus, I believe in you, you know, I, I'm not perfect, I'm a mess, you know, but uh, I believe in you, I want to take you on your word at what you said, and I just want to invite you in my heart. Once that happens, he's not going to throw you away, he's not going to throw you down the drain, he's not going to flush you down the toilet. Exactly. He's not going to abandon you. He is... Like Rick, like Rick did on the message boards to me. <laughs> <laughs> Always doing the same thing. Always doing. <laughs> Romans ten, yeah. In the Bible, it's Romans ten nine. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, 
Thou shalt be saved. Say it's that like, again. You know, that, that Romans 10.9 in the book of Romans, which is a letter of Paul to the Romans and the Roman Jews and Christians, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Thou will have life, you know? In other words, what do I need to be saved? Why do you need to be saved? No, what what do I need? What do I need to do? I mean, what do I need to ask for? Well, you need to explain that to that. explain that to me now. Explain that to me in simpler terms. What do I need to do right now if I'm if I'm lost in the world? Right now, belief. Well, what about what do I have, do I have to say something? Because it says confess with your mouth. Oh, believing. Better do that, right? A sinner's prayer. It says that, doesn't it? Sure, it says to confess with your mouth. And, and what do I no matter conf- what do I confess right now? Your sins, your whole life. No. Your whole life. Who do I, Lord? I, have to I know. No, yeah, and, I have to confess that I have to confess that Jesus is Lord and God has raised Him from the dead. You believe in your heart for that and know that and, He's going to save you and accept His free gift of read salvation. It again. Read it one more time. That's really important for you know people out in the world. They need to hear this. A very simple, simple message that really is the difference between them and death. Let me see. Okay. These words that Richard's about to read. I'm picking. This I'm is picking a, between you and death. I'm picking another version that's even more simpler. All right, let me I get like that. I like, I like that one better. Oh, <clears> to <throat> that one. This is for yeah. No, ten nine Romans ten nine. Here. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Then well, I, need Romans, to confess, I need to confess to you that I believe that Jesus is God and I need to believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Now I'm saved. For it is by the believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. For the scriptures tell us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. Absolutely. And that's true. Because God, God, what God has prepared for you in the next life, or even in this life really, is that, you know, you're, you, you're my, but especially in the next life, it says, I has not seen nor has ear heard what God has prepared for them who loved him. Jesus said, Behold, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if so I go to prepare I'm a place for you. That's right. What Jesus has in store for us, we can't even imagine how wonderful that is. We can't. We don't have anything to describe it in our in our little world. That we and, even describe how wonderful that is. Yeah, and the book that I'm using, Johnny, is is uh, it's the Living Letters, the paraphrase of Piffles, which is, this was it's an older version, like God, but from man, it's it, actually it's it's a real older version. Like I guess this was written in the 20s or something like that, and so many paraphrased for people to understand. And you said it right off the nail in verse 12 of chapter 10. Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They all have the same Lord who generously gives his riches to all those who ask for them. I mean, Gentile or pagan. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. For those who don't understand, a Gentile is somebody who's not a Jew. That would be me, Richard, 
They say pagan. No. They say yeah, or that's not part of the chosen. A pagan is like oh. anybody really who's not a Jew. A pagan is somebody who mostly you know like druids and well witches. Besides and that, or, or any any new age guys. You got a bunch of crystals you believe in, or almost anything besides Christian. You're a pagan, right? Yeah, well, pagan also just believes that one of you know is also a person that doesn't believe in Christ. Right, you know? it's a scientist. The science, somebody who believes in science. Yeah, only. It, paganism goes stems all the way back. You either have, just like I said, you have an image that you believe in, or you actually deny yourself and you know the true Creator. It also says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what you said before. But how shall they ask to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how could they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? That is what the scriptures are talking about when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching the God's news? But not when everyone hears that. It's uh, verse 15. It's, just, it's all in its context. But not everyone who hears the good news has welcomed it. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed me when I have told them? Yet faith comes from listening to this good news, the good news about Christ, who is the word of God. So, the person that is out there... What if somebody's there, sitting there saying, you know... I'm in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls. I really don't want to leave, but I want to become a Christian. What we would have, what I would have to say to you is, you know, you just got to, Jesus wants you where you are right now. You just, you got to take that first step of just believing in him and then inviting him into your heart. And you, you think you'll never become a good person? Well, you will, because he that begins a good work in you will see it till it's finished. So It'll be the goodness of that Christ that is in you. You're going to come out of that life of sin because if you really believe in Jesus, you slowly, for some people, like Johnny here, slowly but surely, the sin just drops off you bit by bit because you just want to be with Jesus. And there you go. All the, you got all these tools. Is You have everything. You have you know? these people also. I, I need to tell you that. I know Tom Bionic's a big fan of this. There's people that are converted and bam, they're instant, wonderful people. Instantly. Bam. And that's true. Yeah. That happens to some people. But I don't want you people listening to be discouraged because that doesn't happen with everybody. There's some people that it's a slow process with some people. It's, sometimes it is. And sometimes, uh, you know, uh, like in, I tell everybody, for everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by His power and everything is for His glory. So, to be converted, and once you're converted, you're transformed. You're being transformed. You're In a moment, you're changing in a twinkling of an eye, and I agree with Tom Bionic, that you be, you become this way, and and you will notice. No, but he's Even talking if, about an instant thing where you see them go from a sinner to a saint, and you just see this, bam, transformation. They're instantly wonderful and perfect Christians, and that's the end of the story. Goodbye. <laughs> now that happens Don't get me wrong That happens And it happens all the time it, But it, don't like be discouraged Some of you Because for some people This is a longer Slower process Yeah but The transformation Is instant As far yeah. as Spiritually That's the seeds Transformation Is an instant thing Always And the, the seeds Start to be planted And it grows And it starts sprouting 
And Some it's people, it's an instant tree. Bam, you plant the seed, bam, it's a tree. Other people, it takes a while to grow. It's like a regular tree. You're going to have to sit back for 20 years before you can get an apple off that thing. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy, actually. <laughs> what? I said, it's a pretty good analogy. I've been trying to grow uh, things in my garden, and I'm like going, when are you going to grow fruit? You know, but, and I keep doing it, you know. You know, I'm hungry. Yeah, you know, me, here, but, me here, there's a couple little apples off the tree, you know, on my tree here, I think. I think I see a couple, one or two. They're kind of green looking. But they're there, finally. Yeah, and the evidence and for, of that is this little radio for, show we're doing here. Yeah, for I, that last I, for that last one, it's not a style. It's not a clique. It's not a. It's not even a religion to be. It's it, it, actually in modern times when we use the word religion, it is the true and perfect religion. And uh, if you want to understand that from the olden times, it is it meant a total different way than the way we think religion now, which is a bunch of rules or regulations. It is not like that. You know, no. we have God's law. It is a graceful law to show us. I wouldn't know sin if I didn't know the law, as Paul would say. You know? And, That's uh, true. That's true. And there is no sin apart from the law because the law makes the sin. Exactly. And even those before, we had the law written in our hearts. We were born with it. And when you say that, well, how can I? I haven't really done nothing wrong. And sometimes people say it's not fair that I am a sinner because of uh, just as one man who came into the world is a sinner. And I said, well, what do you mean? You yeah, know? My, mom was totally, my mom was totally like that, God rest her soul. She was like, I'm not a sinner. People calling me, I'm not a sinner. And she wasn't. I mean, to you and me, looking at her, my mama, she was a saintly woman. She never did anything wrong in her life. But she wasn't perfect, and she wasn't good, she wasn't good enough to get into heaven on her own. And nobody is. There's, Jesus said, he said, no, there is no man who is good. No one is righteous on their own, is what he meant. Not even one. There isn't even one. Jesus said, not, no, not even one. That's in Romans 3, you know. That's Romans chapter 3. All scripture says, no one is good, no one in all the world. No one has ever really known God's way or even truly wanted to. Everyone has sinned. All are worthless All to God. Short. No one anywhere has kept on doing what is right, not one. They, their talk is foul and filthy like the stench from an open grave. Their tongues are loaded with lies. Everything they say has in it the sting and poison of deadly snakes. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. They are quick to kill, hating anyone who disagrees with them. Wherever they go, they leave misery and trouble behind them. Wherever they go, yeah, and this and isn't talking about this isn't talking about these hardened criminals. This is in a spiritual sense, people, because because this is what happens in a spiritual sense. This is what you're like. You might think you're a good guy, and you probably are, but in a spiritual sense, you're wicked. You don't know it. You're not aware of it. But if you could see into that spiritual realm, you would see how short you fall of the mark. You could see how badly you're missing the mark without Jesus. And I, that's what that's what sin is is missing your mark. Yeah, yeah. we'll never we can't keep the law perfectly. Uh, we either if we lied once we're liars. If we stole once we're thieves. If we looked at you know someone with lust, if we committed adultery, if we've taken yeah. the Lord's name in vain, not just by saying uh, you know 
a curse word or uses his name as a curse word, but it's more than that. We have taken sometimes his word and twisted it to our advantage and, and our lifestyle or whatever. But still, we have broken all those laws. But Let me talk we, about that just for a second. I hate to go off on a tangent, <laughs> but you got me going on this one. My old, my old mentor back in the middle 80s, Louie, he was a snakebite, hardcore Christian, Pentecostal <laughs> fundamentalist. And he used to he used to say to me, he used to say, you know, when you take the Lord's name in vain, he goes, the, the name of Jesus is like this, this like this magical spell. He goes, would a magician go around saying stabber left and right? He'd say, no way. So he'd be afraid everything turned into chickens. And that's the same reason you don't use Jesus' name in vain because it's it's got power behind it. Yeah. What what do you what do you think of that? Um, I really don't know about that. I know there's there's power behind this name, definitely. <laughs> I don't know about that though. I really think some people kind of take it a little I mean, bit too using far. Using his name as a using his name as a cuss word. But if you're, you're using obviously his name, that's yeah. what I'm saying. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If you're using, it, I mean, come on. It's like you know, using your mother's name. You wouldn't, you know, use your mother's name as a curse word. I mean, they don't even use Hitler's name as a curse word. I mean, Hitler, damn it, you know. They don't I use Obama, damn it. They would never use Mao, damn it, or or Hitler, Obama, damn it. damn it. You know, Obama, damn it, or Bush, damn it. Lacan, I mean, no, don't don't be putting down my boy now. Don't be putting down my boy Obama. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I pray, I pray, I, 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 I pray yeah, for I, our some uh, if he's our president, but I pray for him anyway. I promise we wouldn't go into political on this episode. No, I just we'll pray that it's right off political. I'll just, I'll just say this. I just pray that him and his family come to Christ. That's it. Yeah, and I, I'll seriously. Just, I, I just let me yeah. say. Let me say that. And our government. Let me say that in our country. Our president isn't supposed to be a Christian. He's supposed to be our president. Uh, I agree with that. I, Ronald Reagan was a perfect example of one who wasn't that great. You know, he was a Christian, but he failed it many times. But well, at least, I'm saying according to our Constitution and no, our principle I disagree with of, that. of... Oh. But okay. we don't need to get into that. We'll get into that topic later. I have, Interesting. That sounds like a good episode we'll have to talk about. We'll have to do because I'll bring out my other guns. I have a book called, a couple of books, but I have a book called Original Intent, in it, and uh, which I know the author, David, uh, oh, I'm not in my house to look at it. But um, Anyway, we'll just get into that later. But yeah, all in all, no, just as, like, we, as we come just back like Dr. to... Future, just like Dr. Future, I want to remain joyfully teachable. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Rick. Go ahead. Oh, that's all right. I agree with you. And and when it comes all the way down in a whole conversation, it's just that what I read in, in Colossians, that how to be to one another, regardless if we're discussing these hard topics and things or not. And, yes, go out of your way to try to stress your point, but just make sure that you're, you know, it is Scripture. And even if you do look at the words, share it anyway. Even if it is a little bit wrong, we'll find it out. But we'll we'll bring each other together to see each other. There's no personal attack on a forum. I don't think there should be any on World of Prophecy or in this other one that I'm in, um, which is, you know, a, a Puritan. It's called the Puritan's uh, Forum. And it's all because we talk about reforming. But it's the whole thing. The is, be, that's the principle behind our show because, you know, iron's the iron show and iron sharpens iron. Iron doesn't beat. The other iron to death. 
Yeah. We we actually basically sharpen the countenance of our friend. We, you know, and an open rebuke is better than hidden love, but it's not really a rebuke. We correct each other for truth. Each other. Say that slower. You know, iron sharpens iron, you know. Let's see. I mean, I may have to look this up again. No, the rebuke Proverbs, part. No, the rebuke. Say that slower. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. What does that mean? It means enduring a certain situation when somebody is sinned against you, you know, and it's loved it to bring it to his attention right away and, you know, and being loving about it, like warning, like as we warning certain people that are doing this, and maybe they don't realize that they're doing it, you know? Um, and, most of the times that's true. You know, and I think they're doing no. it to, you know, they're either doing it to, um, you know, they're doing it because this is the way their character is, or, you know, and oh, it's open rebuke is better than secret love. That's what the King James says. I think ego, it gets involved with a lot of the, with a lot of the people that... I think some things that are being outdone, instead of coming alongside like we all are, like, you know, the, 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 the pierced side and Jesus' uh, rib, if you understand what that means, um, you know, no, but I, I'll just think on it you know, for a while. Yeah, I just you know, there's a pure side because we're his bride, right? And he comes alongside us, doesn't he? The Holy Spirit does. Yeah, that's that's one of my pet peeves about the yeah. Bible now. And I know you should never have pet peeves about the Bible, but I don't want to be the bride of Jesus. That is just totally gay. I don't like that. <laughs> what would you yeah. say to somebody like me who says that? Yeah. And uh, here, here's the other thing I know. <laughs> you just totally ignore that one, aren't you? I just got, I, I just like, I don't know what to say. I'm like, that was kind of, I didn't know whether to laugh or just, but I guess when I get, <laughs> I, you, I never liked the bride of Christ thing. I'm sorry, Jesus. I don't like that. I don't want to be your bride. I mean, uh, couldn't you figure out another way to say that? I mean, I know what it means. I know what it means. I just don't like that. I don't want to well, be no bride. It's, I don't want to be no blessing bride. I'm telling you. But if you, you got to take it in a, a better concept than what it really means by that. I so know. The I church know. Is, I need to the think. The church is, is church is he's representation that he's the church is his bride, and and he is the bridegroom. And what that means is, you know, you'll see what I mean. It, it very has a lot to do with marriage and why we are. You you know you're married with your wife that you're in one flesh and he's one flesh with the church, and the church is his bride. So you know it's a wonderful anyway, concept, really. But I we'll mean, get into that later too. Con- a comforting concept, really. It is. It is. If you read the Song of Solomon, uh, you'll 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 understand because you'll see both sides because Solomon talks about it, and you'll see it. We, if anybody just read that, to understand it. But the open rebuke is better than uh, secret love. Leviticus yeah, nineteen seventeen says this. It's, it's a quote from this. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thy heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. And that's what that means. Well, if a brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Then that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. That's First Timothy 5.20. The one I was quoting before, with Leviticus 19.17, and then Matthew 18.15. So, you know, 
Next and and that's what we were talking about about the message boards. I, it's my little personal belief is that if somebody's stepping out of line, send them a, send them a private message. Mm-hmm. Don't slap them around in front of everybody. Yeah, that's not, that's not healthy. That's a that's a private matter. And and listen to pe- listen to people. Don't try to scrutinize every word that they say. Maybe if somebody has something wrong, or you know, and if they're downright, you know, not you know, if they're downright cultic light and or you know they're really uh you know unbecoming and then you know you could say something to them because a bunch of people will say something it'll just it'll happen that's but if you really have a problem with somebody a brother you know just like the bible says leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile with your brother don't do it in you know and then try to say oh you do this or it's fascinating to character or how they do things you know, if I was running a message board, I would delete their post, send them a private message, and wait till I heard back from them. Yeah, and exactly. like, I don't want to slap you around in public, but I deleted your post because I think it's kind of damaging and stuff. And uh, here's why. And I don't mean, you know. And then when I heard back from them and stuff, you know, and then I explained things, so then nobody would really know that you slapped them around. It would be more like it would be more like what the what the Bible tells you to do, wouldn't it? Oh, exactly. If, as as I'm looking it up, on, you know, privately. Um, let's see. Now we got You always have to have patience because Rick actually looks at his Bible. Yeah, he's one of those. Yeah, he's one of those believers that actually cracks that thing open. It's not like growing dust and cobwebs with spiders crawling on it and stuff at Rick's house. No, I I keep my, all of my dishes are have. wrinkled and written on, and <laughs> yeah, I have were written in the and there's like chicken soup dribbled on some of those passages, and, and that's because he's always the, got it open. Yeah, it's it's on my uh, it's always on my computer. I mean, I try to surround myself with it is because man, how could you not want to know? How can That's you not? something I can learn. That's something I need to learn from you is to be more that way. I need to be more that way. I really do. Uh, just, all you have to do is ask, and the Lord will give it to you. He gives you that. Yeah, you know, I've got, as everybody knows probably, I've got ADD, and it's really hard for me to read. I just, I'll read something 20 times, and I still don't know what it says. I get all my knowledge. I got my Bible on on my iPod. And I seem to soak up things if I hear them. But then what will happen is I'll remember I'll remember it and stuff, but I couldn't tell you where it is exactly. I mean, I could almost quote it word for word, but I couldn't tell you how to look it up. I couldn't say, little verse chat of this and chapter this. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. That's the problem I got. That's why I kind of lean on Rick. Rick's very, he's, he doesn't have my mental disease. He's real good at searching the scriptures and stuff and yeah, that's exactly. A huge plus. <laughs> that's a huge plus to be Rick. Not only that, but he's good looking too. I mean, you know, like I said on the message board, I said when you get in an argument with Rick, the problem is, is that when he, when you're, when, when you're wrong, he's right, and he's better looking than you. But when <laughs> you're right, he's wrong, but he's better looking than you. So you really, you can't. It's hard to come out on top. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I heard you got that deleted. <laughs> I got my I got my little things deleted too, I guess. Uh, which is <laughs> no, I was I was serious. Rick's a good looking guy, you know. I mean, I'm not no queer or nothing or not. I'm not, I shouldn't say queer. That's probably not a nice way to say. It. I'm not gay. 
But Rick's a good, handsome man, you know. A lot of you girls out there, you got you to gotta call Rick up. He's looking to get married here. Oh, and... <laughs> He's looking to find an awesome wife. So, you know, a lot of you girls ought to turn your eye his way. Are you totally embarrassed now? Do you want to ha- slap me? <laughs> now I'm really embarrassed. <laughs> you want to reach through the floor and slap old, reach to the phone and slap old Johnny? <laughs> no. Ah, uh, that's so funny though. You're quite a character, my friend. Uh, yeah, and I'll probably funny. never. I'll probably always will be. That's the problem. I'm 47 years old. God, if I haven't changed now. Oh, if Abraham changed at 80 and Moses, I think that would put me possible. <laughs> I'm better than I used to be. I'm going to tell you that. I'm one of those people who's changed slowly over time. You know, you'd have to compare me to 25 years ago and see the difference. I'm a tamed monster. That's what I am. I'm like King Kong, and I won't hurt you anymore. I get to the point where I won't grab you and take you to the top of the Empire State Building anymore. But <laughs> well, I'll still so, growl and go <laughs> and growl and but, stuff. But as we keep saying, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. And that's you know those are the, the, the key things. Explain long. Explain long suffering. That means being extremely, extremely patient. Extremely allowing people to, you know, yeah. stumble and fall. Allowing, you know, you know, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. You know, if we want to go to this little version of the Tyndale versions that I have. That's you know, something of, we all really need to work on, you know, isn't it? Oh, it's just, you know, of course we do. We are, who's at fault from this? Who says, who, like Paul says, he who can bridle his tongue is perfect. He's a perfect person. He can keep the law. He's perfect. Have you have you met anybody like that? There's only been one, and that's Christ. Christ alone. Now, I don't I don't know how to quote this right, but you can quote it for me exactly. See, the guy asked Jesus how you know if somebody sins against me, how much how many times shall I forgive him? Seven or seven times? And Jesus said, What was it? Seven times seven times seven times? Oh, seventy times seventy. Seven times seventy, which is uh that'd be four hundred and fourth. Seventy times seventy, that would be forty thousand nine hundred and something. <laughs> it's you, only live, you only live twenty two thousand days. You couldn't get to that number if you tried. Yeah, it's some remarkable number like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it means to be long suffering. Yeah, let's let's read this in the more close internet. Since you have been chosen by God, this is Colossians two in the Tyndale version that I have. Since you've been chosen by God who has given you a new kind of life, and because of his deep love and concern for you, you should practice tender-hearted pity and kindness to others. Don't worry about making a good impression on them, but be ready to suffer quietly and patiently. Be gentle and ready to forgive. Never hold grudges. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Well, most of all, let love guide your life, for then the whole church will stay together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of heart, which comes from Christ, be always present in your hearts and lives, for this is your responsibility and privilege as members of his body. And always be thankful. 
Remember what Christ taught and let his words enrich your lives and make you wise. Teach them to each other and sing them out in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing to the Lord with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus and come with him into the presence of God the Father to give him your thanks. You know? And that let about love. sums it up. That about sums up. And that is it. It means it's, to love somebody. You cannot do that. Do not speak at all. Do not say anything because, like I said, my favorite quote is from, you know, William Laws is, you are not quite like the primitive, Christ, uh, primitive Christians were. Even though you have intellect or inability, though you thoroughly never intended it to be like them. Never thoroughly intended it. It says it on the bottom. I might have said it wrong, but it says it on the bottom. If you ever go to World of Prophecy, you'll see it on the bottom of that. It's really important. I, that's actually to me. It's not. It's for all you to see, but I look at that every day. That is my favorite quote from William Law, who was – William Law was a considered mystic, but he it wasn't. He was another Puritan type from the, from the 1800s. And he really – when you read his stuff, it's – he has a book, I think it's called, uh, uh, well, I can't remember the exact title. Of the, it's, I, sometimes my ADD kicks in if I have it. <laughs> um, remembering things like that. It, it's a book uh, basically on, on the Christian life and how to, you know, basically how to be, you know, you're not as pious, how to be a Christian, basically, how to, to be a Christian, to be Christ-like. And uh, William Law, if you just look him up and you'll find the, the name of the book. But, but can, we ever, you know, can we ever be really Christians? Because I'm not like you know, Jesus. Well, yeah, we are. But like I said, we grow in grace you know, different, in different me. ways. Yeah. You know me. Am I like Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, if, if Christ is in you, sure. Well, you, you know? know me. You know my character. You, you see me bat back and forth in the emails and stuff. You really think I'm like Jesus? Yeah. Because what, what, amongst really? all this, really? amongst all, amongst all the sarcasm and all this fun, as as you have shown and witnessed, you know, witness on these shows, when it comes right down to it, uh, even though you're a comedian, you know, and that's just who you are, and uh, and if that's your gift and your calling, that's what you do. But when it came right down to it, you were sincere about to those that are being lost, and you're sincere to your brothers, you know. And that really and, means a lot to me. That. Uh, and, absolutely encouraging. And you're showing it right now as we're all trying to do. Regardless, we all have that mean spirit once in a while. And, yeah, we become, like I said, we become overbearing and sarcastic. I mean, come on, I live, I grew up with that. I, you know, my father, you know, I got the Italian brothers, you know. They were all, you know, it was it's a one big joke, but not, you know, it was always joking with each other. No matter what, hey, look, you know, like I got a little belly. Hey, what are you, you know, what are you growing over there, you know? Is it a basketball? I, or, I was know? raised by Jim. I was raised by Jim the Longshoreman. I mean, what do you what do you want? You know, and so you know, and, and look at Peter. He's a, a longshoreman. So you know, and let's uh, try it. Yeah. No, he so, wasn't. He was a fisherman. Longshoreman, longshoremen unload boats. No, so he unloaded fishing boats, didn't he? The, he picked I up the net. He unloaded the fish <laughs> off his boat. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to help you out here. Him, um, people. <laughs> People that he hired to help him unload the fish out of his boat. Those are yeah, I don't know. Either way, he's part of that crowd. And, you know, it's Peter and John and Andrew, you know. 
<laughs> they're all yeah, let's go fishing after the Christ, you know, after Christ, you know, the resurrected. But they're like they're bummed out. Let's go fishing, and you know, and you you know that story, you know. But the regular guy. And, and Peter, look, he was foul mouthed, man. He cursed. Yeah, Norman. And he cuts off somebody's ear. I mean, you know, and like the weakest guy uh, of all things is some, uh, you know, people say that I've heard. The weakest guy, you know. And uh, let me so, recount. Let me recount this thought that I always liked. I get all starry, teary eyed when I when I recount, recount this thought that <laughs> that I think the most in the most deepest thing to me in the Bible is when Jesus was about to be born, and the angel of the Lord came on, there were shepherds in the earth in those days, tending their feet, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared unto them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were scared to death. And the angel said, Fear not, for I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be unto all men. For unto you this day a Savior is born, which is Christ the Lord. Now, the angel of the Lord, the heavenly hosts, there were a, it was not only the angel of the Lord, but it was a bunch of heavenly hosts all around. And who did they show up to? Kings, lawyers, rich people, uh, the Pharisees? No, they showed yeah. up to shepherds. They came to the shepherds. And who were the shepherds? The shepherds were the lowliest critters in the ancient world, when you, when you had when you were a criminal, an ex-con, you were stupid, retarded, whatever you were in the lowest uh, scum of the earth, you had no choice. You had to be a shepherd. That was the only place you'd, only vocation you'd fit into. So the angel of the Lord came unto the lowest people on earth. And he guess came unto the long. He came to the longshoremen of the ancient and, world, delivering. And even there's a man that we already know in, in the bloodline of Christ who was king of all Israel, and what was he? He was a bad man. He was a shepherd boy. He found he was tending the sheep. Right. Remember? And he was part of that. Look look where God directed Samuel. And he went all to the brothers, and who did he pick? The youngest, the smallest, little ruddiest character, the one who had the most faith, King David. Right. One of my favorites. Probably the litter. Oh, man. And... Look what he did, and he was a lower-formed life form for all you scientists out there. Yeah, uh, and what about uh, Moses? Moses protested to God. He said, look at me. I'm kind of dumb, and I'm slow of speech. I'm nobody that can go do this. God and he was, what, he was a highly educated man, wasn't he, from Egypt? <laughs> he was, but, I mean, he said to God, he said, I'm slow of speech. And he was also a shepherd, too, that. isn't he? He was also a shepherd, too, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. He was. <laughs> so, at least in his own eyes, he saw himself as completely unfit for the task. And there we go. He was. Yeah? He was a highly, I mean, he was, you know, he was adopted as son of the pharaoh and everything and educated, but he didn't consider himself worth much. Yeah. Obviously. Right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's just... You know, he was, uh, sorry, I had a train of thought. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he was just that. He was a lower form person that was just, you know, just like you or I, you know. And Jesus came and hung out with the sinners, you know. Like, and was accused, oh, look at him. He's he's a wine baby. He's hanging out with the prostitutes and the foul-mouthed and the, you know, guys like me, you know. 
And those are the people that need Jesus the most. I, I, nobody needs Jesus any more than anybody else. But I think it's also really, the, really, really. <laughs> I think it's also the elite need Jesus just as bad. They sure you know. do. They sure but, do. You know, uh, uh, but probably misspoke. No, no, you didn't. Actually, I just want to make that just to have it clear, so you be like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. But you know, hey, you people in the in the Bohemian Grove, you know, you people up at the Bilderberger uh, restaurant joint. You need Jesus more than we do, almost. We all need Jesus the same, but you really need him. You need to repent of that stuff. Good uh, doctor repent. future. Good doctor future. God bless, God bless his heart. He said a prayer for those people at Bohemian Grove. Yeah, that's it, what we, we should be doing. We got to pray should. for one And pray, prayer is the best weapon, and it is the best weapon. Is oh, yeah, best. like my mentor, Snakebite Pentecostal Luke Nation, used to say, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you, Johnny, and that's a threat. <laughs> yeah, so we can just, yeah, let's take, let's take that like, I would be like, please, Louis, don't pray for me, please don't pray for me again. <laughs> that is exactly it. <laughs> Every time you do, God shows me the error of my ways and humbles me like the dirt. So, and that's the best example we can, especially if we're on an open public forum, if we're out in the public, or if we're at work, or if we're in church, or if we're in, uh, you know, wherever we are at, to our own family members, to our own good friends, you know, that this is the example in Colossians 3, you know, from verse 12, and to on in that context of how to be as Christians to one another, regardless of our, our little differences that we need to iron out. That's the whole point of why Johnny called the show the Iron Show, because me and him have differences, but we don't hate each other because, oh, whoa, we don't, if he disagrees with me, you know, I don't believe in the same degree to disagree. I say, I, I go on a step beyond that. I say, let us come together to agreement, you know? Amen. And at the moment, we'll agree to disagree, because I don't believe anywhere in Scripture anybody agreed to totally disagree, unless you actually want to use Paul and uh, Barabbas because of John Mark, but that's, you can look that up in Acts. Well, you know? agreeing to disagree, agreeing to, agreeing to disagree, yeah. that's a secular saying. It's not, a, it's yeah. not in the Bible. But, you know, we, never, but we know I the point that? is. Yeah, you did. Did I ever say that? Yeah, that was pretty oh, good. Well, shame, shame on Johnny for saying that. <laughs> That was I, said that. I said I said we need to agree to disagree. That's that's um I said that. No, you said the opposite. Oh I did. You said that it's a worldly saying. It is. Well no, I mean before, but yeah, it is it's that that is a that's a secular thing. A lot of these that's another uh kind of a big point is a lot of these sayings you hear, they were never in the Bible. Somebody no. I can't think of a good example, but that's one of them, agree to disagree. Nobody ever yeah. said that in the Bible. And, and like, we, read in, we read in the scripture is that we come together in unity. And do, I unto to, do unto yeah. others, then do unto others, then split. That's not that wasn't in the Bible. No. 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 So <laughs> then split. That'd be do unto others, then split. Yeah. <laughs> we used to say that back in the seventies, but anyway. Well, no, no. It's it's the whole, that was it's, not edifying. It's, that yeah, was not it's edifying. the whole thing is edi- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing is edif- edifying one another. And regardless, and however anybody, however the way they do things, let them do it. You know, unless they're downright 
cultic-like, and they're totally, you know, like you know, like how Jehovah's Witness twist the scriptures to their favor, how Mormons twist the scriptures, all the way up to uh, Christ, the most Christian cults and denominations, how they twist scriptures to believe this way, which is never, ever meant to be like that at all. We are one body in Christ. We are not a denomination. We are one body in Christ. That's something that you said the first time you ever I ever met you in a message board, you know. You basically didn't say, you weren't saying that to me. You were saying that to the guys who were picking on me. You said, you know, unless unless we're off on our core doctrine, let's be able to express ourselves, you know, yeah. how we, let's feel free to be able to express ourselves, unless unless we're really off on our core doctrine. Yeah. Because that's something like, that you need to address. Somebody's off on their core doctrine. And what I mean by core doctrine is, you know, do you believe Jesus is God? Do you believe Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? Do you believe you don't have any other way to get to heaven but by Jesus? That's core doctrine. Anything aside from that, I mean, if it's long, you know, it is kind of on the outside. It's kind of on the, it's kind of beyond the pale. Yeah, and yeah, like I was telling Freddie about the whole imagination uh, on the forum, and I, I kind of I wrote that out because that is something that I've been working on, and it's something when I write, it is to me, it is to me. It's not this is to me. This is the Holy Spirit to me, you know. There's a power and, to, and, and we share in the same Holy Spirit, and so when I, I'm sharing that, I'm sharing who I am in, in Christ at the moment. And maybe sometimes I could be a little off somewhere. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. No, I don't mean off, off, like wrong. <laughs> I just mean wild, just like, whoa, whatever. You know? Okay. But, but like I said, when I come to the point of trying to get scripture, my whole goal and purpose is to make sure that it's the truth, even what I'm presenting and what I'm reading. And it, like I said, and that's the whole thing. That's the whole thing I bet with everyone, even Dr. Future, Tom Bionic, uh, you know, anybody that's on a talk show, you know, that is doing this sort of thing that they're doing, you know, that you hear on Christian radio. I, you know, nobody's out to deceive. Nobody's out to twist. Nobody's out to try to create them to go over here and tra- create little cliques. The whole object is to bring each other into unity, to sharpen the countenance of your friend. And that's that's between us, you know all of us, and like I said, you know I ha- I do have concrete, but I want us all to come together on it. Well, we're like, oh yeah, I do see it, you know. And this is what our pastors do every Sunday morning. We listen to our pastors, you know. We listen to our Bible study at our home fellowships, you know. If some of us go to those, which I, I recommend to everybody, go at least go to yeah, a home those fellowship. Are, those are even better fellowship. than church, if yeah. Those are even better than church, if yeah. Yeah, and it, I well, I know, and go to your church. So I go I go to a small church where I lead those worship. Bible studies are just great. Bible studies are yeah, just the greatest. Yeah, so this I is think. what we push. Yeah, Bible studies are the best because that's where it started. Right in the homes of people. Yeah, there was and no church. There was no big stained glass windows in the beginning, folks. There were just people sitting around having Bible studies. Well, well they did have the meeting places, but they didn't. And, yeah, but you know what I mean. You know, some met in caves. Some met. They found. You know, but you know, they, they had Bible whatever. studies. They had yeah. Bible studies. They didn't have. You know, they didn't have the prosperity gospel. They didn't have big fancy suits. They didn't get all dressed yeah. up. And on WOP, I think in a while back, somebody put on the church that they found outside of Israel, a Christian church, 
and they showed that there was a thing in the middle, and everybody sat around, and like, not in a, a circle particularly, that's just how they all kicked back, and somebody would get up, and they would, you know, either they would read the scriptures, or they would preach, you know, and that it was an old uh, thing that they said it was about the time of the apostles, anyway. More you of know, a group they, discussion than sit down and just listen and shut and up. And those did in synagogues, they did the same thing, and that's what we're was doing more, now. Yeah, but was it more of a group discussion than it was like nowadays where you go in and sit down and shut up? Uh, no, they they had well, the, when the scripture was read, everybody did shut up. They and when they were praising gospel, if if, if you look out through. You know, the whole Israelites and how they did, you know, everybody sang, and that wasn't a group discussion. They all looked to God, and they praised, and, 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 and you know, and Ezra preached. Uh, there was, you know, when Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, people did shut up. He spoke, and he gave, you know, and he spoke, on, that's in Matthew chapter 5, he spoke the Beatitudes. And, he, and if you look at how many chapters that he spoke to, yeah, there was not, you know, if there was interaction, it probably was, you know, I can't say how it was pictured, but we could, you know, through Scripture, we can relatively see how the assembly was gathered and how they behaved. And despite what Paul was talking about, the letter of Corinthians and to the letter of Ephesians, and Colossians, where we just witnessed with the Scripture, you know. And uh, I don't think it meant, the temple is us. We are the temple. We are the body. And you know, it looks like I said, it's not really just the churches or the great, beautiful buildings we can create. But, you know, some of us have our own homes, and some of us need a place to meet at, you know, uh, you know, a, a common ground place, which is it's wonderful. It's a community effort where we could all meet because we do have our own individual homes, you know, and I, I, that's the way I look at it. But we don't need to make it a mega church. We don't need to make it, a, you know, where 5,000 are in there, and there's no real intimacy with Christ. Although we can go back to Charles Spurgeon and say that he had, you know, a huge church. But the one thing about Charles Spurgeon, he knew everybody by name, as, as I have read in some of his, you know, his biographies. He shook everybody's hand, and he cleaned his own church. But that's just something else. But all in all, Get somewhere. Did you say he shook everybody's hand and cleaned his dentures? No, cleaned cleaned the church. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> I can see that. Oh, man. I'm going to whip out my parcels here and give them a good soak. <laughs> you know what? We're at the two and a half hour mark, and I hear the guitar coming in, and that means we're getting close to the end here. All right. Well, yeah, I leave you to this all these people. With, as Johnny uh, is going to clean the ditches. The guitar's fading away while Rich says another verse. I only all have right. one hand, so I, I only have one hand free, so all I got is my, all I got is my E string. All right, hey, so let's, let's close on this. And I want to close with this scripture in Second Corinthians. It's already in the last chapter. Uh, all right, I pray, that you will live, I pray that you will live good lives, not because that will be a feather in our caps, proving that we will, what we teach is right. No, for we want you to do right even if we are despised. Our responsibility is to encourage the right at all times not to hope for evil. We are glad to be weak and despised if you are really strong. Our greatest wish and prayer is that you will become mature Christians. I'm writing to you this now, you now, in the hope that I will not need to scold and punish when I come. For I want to use God's power, which he has given me, to make you strong and not to punish you. I close my letter in these last words. Rejoice. Grow in Christ. Be comforted. 
Live in harmony and peace. And may the God of love and peace be with you. Greet each other warmly in the Lord. All Christians here send you their best regards. This is the church in heaven, people. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. May God's love and the Holy Spirit friendship be yours. And may we do everything that we've read in Scripture to one another so we can come in unity and stop all the madness. That we are one flesh with Christ together. And that's all I have to say. And with that, I must say amen. That's very good. That's very good. Now, we have a special way to say goodbye on the Iron Show because me and Rick, we ain't saying goodbye. It's hard to end. So what we do is we say one, two, three, goodbye, and it's over. All right, ready? All you listeners out there, get ready. Get ready. Here we go. There we go. One, one, two, two, three. Goodbye. Goodbye. You still there?